It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name is Rich Spate and I'm joined today down the line, first of all, by Martin Wallace from Australia. How are you doing, Martin? I'm top of the world, Rich. Nothing better than opening day three points to get the um, the season off to a good start, is it? No, it's absolutely brilliant. What a fantastic start to the campaign. We're also joined this morning uh, from the northeast by Nick Barnes, BBC Radio Newcastle's Sunderland commentator. How are you this morning, Nick? Echo everything Martin's just said. Yeah, you can't uh, get a better start to the weekend than uh, opening the season with a win. What was it like to be back in the stadium with with you know over thirty thousand supporters there? Uh, it sounded fantastic down the stream and on your commentary. But uh, what was it like to actually be there? Brilliant. Um, right for the moment of arriving around lunchtime. Um, you know, last season you'd arrive and it was you know sort of. Uh, ghostly it was it was a real mm-hmm. ghost town you know tumbleweed blowing across the car park and very very few people around and just the signs of decay if you like um but this weekend just great cafe open rokeren cafe people arriving you know as they used to do several hours before kickoff um and just a general buzz around the outside of the stadium when i went in uh, to my surprise i knew the, i knew the press room was going to be open again but i didn't expect the, uh, the food to be laid on and teas and coffees, but just like the old days. And, and it, it actually gave us that sense of normality again. And then, uh, you know, when you get into the bowl itself and people started arriving, OK, the Premier Concourse wasn't open, but it wasn't open before lockdown. But the rest of the stadium was, um, it was just brilliant. It just felt normal again, just felt like a proper football match again. And I know we had a little bit of that with the Lincoln playoff. Um, semi-final last season and a touch of it with the friendly with Hull but nothing like you know getting 30,000 back in the stadium that buzz it was it was just brilliant so good to be back and you know you could just see the smile on people's faces yeah I know everyone was so looking forward to it I know our lads uh, were buzzing on the uh, on the pubcast after the game (laughs) did you uh, enjoy watching on your stream from your garage Martin oh well I was um, I was actually had the luxury of the the TV room last night, so that was that was nice. Well, quarter past midnight, as the um, delayed kickoff had it. Now it makes it just shows you know the the difference that fans make to the game, and like without the fans being there, the game's nothing. And if the fans weren't there, the game would peter out in a few years because you know the fans are absolutely everything to it. And you know whether you're at the stadium or whether you're watching on TV, the atmosphere 
is is such an integral part of the the game and the spectacle, isn't it? That it, you know it makes all the difference. And I think who knows what the result would have been without the fans there yesterday. Sunderland fans play a part in the in the team's results, and you know we had a terrible on on paper we had a terrible season of of results at home last season when there was no fans there. And it's nice to get mm-hmm. the season off to a winning start when the fans are back in the in the ground. Well, absolutely, it was a two one two one victory, and I thought a pretty pretty convincing one overall. Uh, we've had a really good question from Michael Bowers actually on that point, Martin, that you've picked up. He wants to hear from Nick on the view that our fans can sometimes be overbearing for players. Personally, he thought it it was class being back, and to put it into context, like Martin said, we lost six times at home. Uh, three times as many as the eighteen, nineteen, or nineteen twenty combined, uh, which was one in both seasons. Do you think it had a a big effect on the performance, Nick? Um, it's an interesting one because there's been a lot of talk about this. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it's been talked about for the last two or three seasons. You know, always at some point it, it, it rears its head, and people talk about expectations and are the players under pressure playing at the Stadium of Light? Well, it, it's come up again. In, you know, this last couple of weeks as well um Lyndon Gooch touched on it actually after the game yesterday mm-hmm. um I spoke to Dan Neal about it actually earlier in pre-season about you know being a young player 18 19 or he's 19 now um and how he will feel about running out in front of 25 30,000 people um and being you know a Sunderland player does does that have a heavy bearing on him um but he you know unequivocally said look I know exactly what the expectations are I used to stand on the terrace myself I know what the demands on the players are because I've 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 demanded from them, you know, if you like. Um, I, I think it was interesting yesterday that the, the you know the early goal from Wigan, and we've known in the past that's when a, a crowd can suddenly turn on you. They didn't yesterday, and, and and admittedly it was a quick response from Sunderland to get back in the game, and that clearly does help the situation. But they were right behind the team yesterday and, and is that partly because nobody's been in the stadium for 18 months possibly but I think also if the team's delivering in terms of you know the football on the pitch they will get behind you um, and I think that's the bottom line I think you know that the, the the buck in a way does stop with the players if they if they're if they're doing it if they're putting in the effort and you can clearly see they're trying then the crowd will be with them um, and there was a lot of that yesterday because, yeah, I did think Sunderland were the better team and I think they could have won the game a lot more comfortably than they did in the end with the chances that they had. Uh, but in, in the stages of the game later on when it was starting to get a little bit sort of, uh, you know, you could clearly see players were tiring and it was just starting to get a bit scrappy. Everyone st- stuck with it. You know, there was it, it was it was great. And I think there's a real positive, from, you know, this opening win now. It's put everybody in a very good mood. It may be yeah. sort of, well... Um, you know, quieten down the sort of criticism that, that the club's been getting over the last week or two with no signings coming in and all the fears that people had of Wigan turning up the three former Sunderland players and turning Sunderland over. Well, you know, that didn't happen. That didn't materialise. I didn't think it was going to. And, and, and it didn't, you know, Sunderland showed a great deal of professionalism in the win yesterday. And, um, uh, you know, and going back to that pressure on the players, you know, if they win games at home, there won't be any pressure on them. Um, they'll create their own pressure to keep on winning. Um, and that's no bad thing. Absolutely. And uh, so, Martin, let's turn to that performance then, because I thought it was really impressive. I thought it was one of the most kind of controlled and you know flowing performances that I've seen from Sunderland for the last three years in, in League One. Do you, what, what was your take on 
like the overall style of play and, and the way they approach the game, Mark? I think after the first 10 or 15 minutes, I would completely agree with you. I think that first 10 or 15 minutes, I w- we were kind of watching and, you know, you wouldn't have been surprised if, if Wigan scored and obviously they, they went on to get the, the goal, didn't they? And they, they, they looked if they were kind of cutting through us with ease and we just looked a little bit unsettled, which is completely to be expected, isn't it? At the start of a, a season when you've, you know, you've got a bit of a makeshift defence in, in some respects. You know, a 17-year-old beast of a, <laughs> a person playing at, at centre-half, which obviously we'll, we'll have a chat about. But I, I thought you know, after that goal, and I think you know, as, as Nick pointed out, getting that early equaliser, that quick equaliser, played a massive part in the in the game because you know, who knows how the game would have panned out if we'd gone for a 20-minute spell without getting the equaliser. But after that um, penalty from McGeady, that was one of the most complete organised and exciting team performances that I've seen us play for an awful long time. You know, we I was I was thinking about it earlier, it's kind of it's it's that risk appetite that we've got and we've had a couple of managers over mm. the past few seasons in certainly in Phil Parkinson, but also Jack Ross as well, where they were quite risk averse and they wanted to keep the game tight and they wanted to try to sneak something out of it and, you know, control it. And Johnson, you know, Yesterday, and he, he talked about it, didn't he, when he first came in about playing this exciting football, and we never really saw it last season. And you, I was watching out for it yesterday, and we got it in, in spades. It was a, a really vibrant, exciting um, performance, and they were taking risks and they were going for it. And you know, we, we just wanted to attack, and it, it was a really pleasing start to the season. And you know, as, as Nick said earlier as well, like that that result, it's to me, it's more than three points. Because it gets the whole, you know, yesterday was the start, or Saturday was the start of a, re, the real start of the new era, I think. You know, we've had a, a few months of them trying to figure things out in the background and, and do that. But, you know, Johnson was constrained by the players he had and they were, you know, by and large Parkinson's players, weren't they? And to get mm-hmm. that new era off to a good start yesterday, it's you get the three points, yeah, but you, you've got that little bit of momentum now. We've got that belief that you know, we don't need a left back in by tomorrow we can, we can, we'll be all right for a few weeks. And you, know, you just get that little bit of belief in the players and in the fans and that the momentum that can build over the next few weeks, when we do get those players in, which undoubtedly we will, they're coming into a side that's got a bit of something going. But to me, that's a massive result on Saturday. Massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the interesting things that you were talking about there and that Nick actually, you were talking about with Lee Johnson after the game yesterday was that, that high risk, high reward element of the performance what changes do you think had been made in terms of the starting lineup possibly all the this implementation of philosophy that kind of resulted in that high risk high reward there was a clear change in approach from what we've seen as mark said was it having lugo nine in midfield was that was that one of the the key elements of of driving that i think there's a number of things i think yeah yeah um clearly it's been a change in personnel in certain Areas, but then you know you look at the the front three. Uh, Ross Stewart was here last season. McGeady was here last season. Gooch was here last season. I, I, you know, just going back to what Martin was saying, I echo everything he said, and I think you know that first fifteen minutes was interesting because they Wigan clearly targeted Dan Neal, and and that that was working to a certain extent, and it did expose mm. the weakness, if you like, of having Dan Neal at left back at the minute. But to his credit, and I think to McGeady's credit as well who sort of, you know, I think he realised that, you know, what was happening and started to sort of drag, track back a bit more and protect Dan Neal. Neil grew into the game and I think Martin's right. I mean, Lee Johnson said weeks ago he could be three, four weeks into the season 
without his first choice back four. Um, and, you know, that may well still be the case. But I think, you know, Martin's right. For the time being, you know, they're fairly, I think, safe, if you like, with Neil, Doyle, Flanagan and, and Winchester. Yeah, there are frailties there without question. But on the whole, I think, you know, we can feel, you know, fairly secure that they can see things through for the time being. But going back to your question, yeah, I think that the change is that Doyle, for starters, loves to come out from the back. His passing mm-hmm. is fantastic. So that's one big bonus in getting a player like Callum Doyle. I mean, it's incredible he's only 17 because his range of passing yesterday was was brilliant. So that that pushes them up the field for a starter. Um, Winchester, we know, likes to get forwards. Uh, Neil does as well. That's his natural game in midfield. Luke O'Neill going into that midfield position, I think, does make a difference. He threw himself into it. Yeah, there's always the danger he's going to get booked because he throws himself into challenges. But he's forward, he's forward thinking. He wants to get the ball forwards. We know with McGeady and Gooch, that's what they're going to want to do as well in Embleton. Gooch, I thought, I agree with Lee Johnson, probably had one of his best games in a Sunderland shirt yesterday. I don't know what he said to him over the summer, but he's clearly worked with him because Gooch's game has changed slightly in the mm. way that he um, he manages his sort of um, final ball, if you like, which has always mm-hmm. been a, a problem for me and Benno, I think, is his decision-making. But I thought yesterday he did it right rather than, get down the side of the box or get into the box and hurriedly bang the ball in. He was much more measured. And actually, as a result of that, he was able to pick out the better passes and was unlucky not to score himself. And then Stewart up front. Well, I think we are seeing the player that we, you know, Sunderland thought they'd signed last season. And I think you have to, you know, give Stewart the benefit of the doubt last year. He'd had the hamstring problems. He wasn't, you know, fully, fully fit. This season, he's had a great pre-season and he looks, you know, he looks mobile He's getting on the end of balls. Uh, he scored um, and he shows incredible promise. So I think all that combined with Lee Johnson's mantra of wanting to play the hard press in inverted commas, um, I think that's where we're seeing the change. Yeah, Martin, your views on on that kind of change in approach? No, I think one of the... Um... One of the most impressive um, differences was that, like that midfield three of um, Evans and 9 and Embleton. They all had really, really defined roles, and you can see what each position is is doing. And last season, you know, we, we could chuck you know Scow and Power, whoever Ledbetter in, and you know, obviously Ledbetter sat a little bit deeper, but I think that was by by consequence of his age rather than anything else. And you know, they, they all kind of played much of a muchness, where you can see Evans's role there to sit and dictate. And you know, I thought he was fantastic in terms of uh, adding yeah. something significant to the team. He he made a huge difference because he was controlling that midfield, and we haven't had a, a midfielder like that for, for for ages who can actually you know put his foot in the ball, control it, and dictate how we, we go about things. And you know even in the last few minutes when you know things were getting a little bit edgy and a little bit fraught, he he was putting his foot in the ball, looking around, putting a nice pass out to, to the fullback, or you know and just keeping it tight and keeping it you know keeping the ball. And I think you know as a as a new captain. He really led by example. And then you've got 9 there alongside him, who, whose game is obviously to go and press, to go and use his energy to get about people. And he's going to be that box-to-box player. But, you know, on, on the defensive side, I think every time they had a, a goal kick or a free kick from, from their defence, he was dropping back. And obviously his experience from last year at centre-half, he was going up and you know providing a bit of a shield just in front of the defence as well. And he was going up with Charlie Wyken on occasion to, to challenge for the ball. So you can kind of see where... Those two complement each other. And you can see, you know, if, if Evans doesn't play, then Winchester will come into that role. 
and then Embleton ahead of him, and obviously it's going to be Embleton or Pritchard, you'd think, in, in that more advanced role. And I thought Embleton was brilliant yesterday. His, his touch in, in yeah. tight situations and his ability to get the ball out from under his feet and find a pass, I'd, I'd love to see him get a, a good run in the side, and I'm really you know, desperate for him to do well because he's got you know, such potential. And he, you know, I've got a lot of time for anybody who can take corners with either foot as well. So um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I think you, you can see that, that three in midfield I think that's where a big change has come from because you know we're trying to play a lot more through the the centre of the park rather than just getting it out wide to McGeady and get the ball in, aren't we? So I think that's probably where a lot of work's gone in over pre-season, and it was really evident on Saturday that that, that work had paid off. Definitely, and obviously we saw the um, the result of that with the corner that led to Ross Stewart's winning goal, mm. the header. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, Nick. I know it was covered on BBC Radio Newcastle last uh, last night quite a lot as well of the the kind of the comparison between Charlie Wyke and uh, Ross Stewart very different kinds of players well maybe not physically but certainly in the way they play the game do you think that um having Ross Stewart there with his kind of more silky skills is 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 ability to receive the ball to feet uh, is going to have a big impact on Sunderland this season? We've got Ted Roberts on Twitter asking directly about the Stewart versus White comparison. Uh, definitely. I mean, without question, I think we've seen through pre-season and yesterday was a good example as well, what Stewart offers. I mean, for a lad, the size that he is, the height that he is, he's mm-hmm. actually very good with his feet. Um, but you, you, you notice when he drops deep, he's nine times out of 10 wins the first ball. He's able to lay it off and he's got the athleticism to, to get up into the penalty area then. Clearly, he's good with his head. Um, that would be his prime sort of asset, if you like, because of his height. Um, but, he, you know, the, the age that he is, the willingness he's got to run, his ability to hold up the ball, his ability to lay the ball off. Um, you know, no disrespect to Charlie White. Charlie White had a, a, a way of playing at Sunderland that worked last season because... He was so sort of heavily dependent, if you like, on Aidan McGeady or on someone to, you know, supply him with the ball into the into the penalty area. But I think we saw his inherent weakness yesterday is that he, you know, he's heavily reliant, Charlie White, on a ball directly played up to him um, and around the penalty area. You know, when you get beyond that, it, it he's he's not someone who's gonna he's not a workhorse in the sense he's gonna come back and win you balls in the in the middle. He's not necessarily going to win the first ball. So he's limited. Um, mm. Now, Wigan may well find a way to 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 play him. And clearly, Liam Richardson likes him. He's put him in the first team and he he's brought in Jordan Jones. And I suspect the reason he's done that is to, you know, try and replicate the McGeady-Wyke relationship. But I think Stuart, you can sense in the way that Lee Johnson wants to play and the way he's setting up, Stuart is a player who will offer him a lot more options in terms of his front three. Or if he decides to play two up front, you know, you, you can see in, in Stewart, if he can get a, a sort of mobile striker alongside of him, that, that could be quite a potent um, strike force. But, you, you know, that's that's for down the line. But um, the, my, my big concern with Ross Stewart is fitness, this hamstring, mm. you know, issue, because he's tall, he, he's lanky, and he's the sort of physique that, you know, inevitably... When you get into the winter, these that's the sort of player with with Ross Stewart's sort of past. You suspect that might be be a weakness, and I think Luke Lee Johnson was um, sort of touched on that post match yesterday about pre season how nobody's picked up any muscle injuries, which I think is quite mm. interesting because they're clearly concerned that that's an area 
in which they've got players who are prone to those sort of injuries. So touch wood, they've they've found a way to get past that. But I mean, at the moment we're playing in warm weather and the pitches are good. So yeah, let's just let hope that they get the, the depth in the squad that can support that. Well, that does bring us on to kind of the other big topic. Let's just slightly move away from the game itself and look at the ongoing uh, transfer uh, window saga. Martin, we've uh, we've we've strong rumours that um, that the lad from Tottenham, um, Sirkin, Sirkin, is yeah. gonna is gonna come in. We, there's a, a a lot of uh, reaction from Tottenham fans about that. Obviously, we had Dan Neil there played a really great performance at left back. Um, I thought, especially is the, some of those threaded balls. Some of his through. passes were beautiful, weren't they? Oh, uh, I think someone described him as. Uh, uh, the new Perlo with some of those passes. <laughs> I think it was uh, John Stacey, who, um, who once of this parish. So, uh, do you think Sirkin is going to be the kind of player we need? And, and what other positions are we going to have to fill? Is it that kind of backup up front uh, and another centre back as well? Yeah, look, I think um, as far as Sirkin goes, I, I don't know much about him at all. So, look, you, you back the, um, the the scouting network that we've put in. To, to have done the job and assess the attributes that he's got, and obviously they, they believe he's going to fit into the style of play that Lee Johnson and, and Christian Speakman want. And you know, I think by all accounts we were pretty close to a deal from um, for, for Gallagher from Liverpool, weren't we? And that mm. you know got put on hold, or we pulled out of that at you know fairly last minute because you know evidently Sirkin became available. And you know, I think fans' reaction is always a good gauge of a. A player when you know you link to him or, or they're going to leave, and the fact that Spurs fans are pretty upset about you know somebody who's 19 who's never played for them um, departing is is pretty telling, isn't it? So he's obviously highly rated, mm. um, and look if he comes in and gets a a good couple of seasons of football under his belt, who knows what he can do? Hopefully, he can get further or back up the leagues with us. And if he doesn't go up with us, if he plays well and does does the right thing, then he'll get back up there. On his own accord, won't he? So, I think you know, fullbacks are evidently a, obviously a key position that we need to strengthen, aren't they? I, I can't imagine we're going to go through the season with Dan Neal and, and Winchester at, at fullback. Although I think we'd be all right for, as we said earlier, we'd be all right for the next few weeks. But I wouldn't fancy playing until January transfer window with the, the two of them at fullback. Mm. Um, so I think you, you've got those two positions which are going to be very high up the list of, of priorities for them. And then you know, you're looking at the, the backup striker. And you know, is that Will Grigg? I think it would take it would be a big punt for him for, for the answer to be yes on that. It would have to be a big change of fortunes for for Grigg, wouldn't it? But you know, he we have got somebody, but he's a very different player to Ross Stewart. And if you're building a team, you know, as we talked about earlier with the midfield, Nick said you know talked about Callum Doyle bringing the ball out, and that added an awful lot to our play. And Stewart dropping off and coming to get the ball and linking up play really well. That spine is really starting to become quite strong, or looks if it could be quite strong. So you, you, we need a similar player to Stewart. If we're going to play that way, I think we, we need a similar player to Stewart to step in if he's mm-hmm. um, if he's injured, which, you know, I think the odds on him going and playing 46 games this season are, are, are pretty um, pretty long, aren't they? So I think we'll, we'll be looking for another striker. I think, you know, you, you look at Doyle and Flanagan and, and Bailey Wright, and, you know, it'd be an awful lot, to ask for, for Doyle to play the full season, wouldn't it? At his age, he's going to need to come out at, at some points. So another centre half is going to be on the list, surely. 
And I must admit, I'd, I'd like to see another goalkeeper. I think, you know, the, the, mm. the question mark about yesterday's performance is, is Burge. And, you know, he didn't do anything wrong, but it's those shots that come at him and they come off him and it's pot luck where they go to. And yesterday, on Saturday, we were fortunate that they, they fell to our defenders. But on another day, they fall to a, a forward's foot and were, were 1-0 down. So I think, you know, if we've got aspirations of building a side that can climb the league with us and you know, go into the championship, you've got to look at a, an, either another goalkeeper, whether that's that's Patterson getting a chance, which I think you'll get a chance on, on Tuesday in, in the cup game, or we look at another goalkeeper altogether if they don't think Patterson's ready for you know, a prolonged spell in the first team at present. Yeah, so obviously we bought in uh, Carney from um, from Man United over the summer as well. So there, there's a, there's another option there. Um, we had a question, specific question, Nick, on Twitter from Glenn about the Dennis Sirkin transfer. Do we know? Is it true? Is it all the rumours you're hearing behind behind the scenes? And uh, he's saying because he was playing for Spurs under twenty threes yesterday. So it's an interesting one. I mean. It- yeah, it's interesting because Lee Johnson, you know, quite specifically wouldn't talk about it on Friday when he was asked about it because he, he, you know, he, he does toe that line that he's with another club, so it'd be unprofessional to do mm-hmm. so. But uh, you know, sometimes when you, you know, you do see rumours on uh, social media or wherever that, that are stronger than others, and that you know, there's clearly something to it. Um, and and certainly, if you judge it by the, the the Tottenham end as well, as you said, you know, Tottenham fans are up in arms about the the possibility of Sirkin leaving. So it does look as though you know, at their end, they've been alerted to the fact that he could be on the move. So I think there is something in it and it, it fits the profile of player they're looking for, you know, young, fullback, um, potential. Uh, so yes, I think there is something in it. Um, but I think, you know, we've been there so many times before with, with players that are linked and then nothing happens. And I mean, my, my, my feeling about the next few weeks is they will get players in. I think um, I agree with Martin, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I think it's, yeah, I think they will get, you know, more players in. Numbers may be questionable. I mean, I think everybody would agree we probably need three more fullbacks, um, if not four. We don't know what the 10% Hume situation is yet. That's gone quiet. And it was meant to be yesterday that Lee Johnson had given the deadline, but nothing's been said. Um, I agree we need a centre-back. I agree we need someone else alongside or with Stewart, you know, for support. Um, and probably arguably another goalkeeper. So, you know, on the whole, I think everybody's pretty much in agreement with all of that. But that then becomes a big ask to get that number of players in in the next few weeks. So we'll probably have to settle for sort of half that number, but there still will be bodies in. Um, but, you know, I, I've said all along through pre-season, you know, that the first 11 that, that they've got at the minute is, is good enough. There's no question. And I thought mm-hmm. they'd be good enough yesterday. Uh, and the concern is the strength and depth. Um, and we've got to remember too, there are under twenty threes to step up. You know, Ollie Younger didn't even make it onto the bench yesterday. Um, so there are players that you know are in in the academy already who've been playing through pre season. Ellis Taylor was another one who's impressed me in the games that he's played in pre season. So they they've got backup, but not enough if you're going to play a forty six game league season, where whatever number of games they play in the league cup, but then the the, the trophy games as well. So. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot of management to do of the squad, but in essence, you know, we've got the foundations, and and yesterday's game, I think, proved that. Well, let's move on to look at uh, Tuesday in the League Cup, Martin. We've got obviously Port Vale away, and um, an opportunity. I'm, I'm 
picked up from the end of Lyndon Gooch's post-match interview that maybe he won't be featuring. Uh, he was talking about uh, others who were on the bench uh, who 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 need some minutes. So is that ex- entirely what we're expecting? We're expecting a very different eleven uh, down at Ville Park in midweek. I would expect so. I think um, you know you look at anybody in that first eleven who you know might have a question mark over fitness, and you know Corey Evans has come with a a bit of a reputation from Blackburn about injuries and we've talked about Ross Stewart's hamstrings and stuff like that. So anybody like that, you, you're not going to risk, are you? Especially with such a small squad that we have at the minute. And it's a great opportunity to give a few lads a, a run out who've probably never played a, a first-team game. You know, the likes of Ellis Taylor, the likes of Patterson. You know, I think giving them a, a good chance. And it's, it's their opportunity to stake their claim and you know, show Lee Johnson he doesn't need to go out and buy another goalkeeper. He doesn't need to go out and buy another forward because we've we've got players there. I think, you know, the likes of Will Grigg come in, if, if he scores two or three goals, then everyone's for everybody's benefit, isn't it? So yeah, I would expect I, I would I wouldn't see that many players who played on Saturday starting the game actually. You know, you're not gonna risk Winchester or um Dan Neal, sorry, you wouldn't have thought, would you? Because, you know, you, you don't want to to have another selection problem full back for the MK Dons game. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see the, the team picks, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was you know, nine to ten changes. So do you, do you expect something similar, Nick, in terms of uh, wholesale changes or a little bit of kind of continuity as well? Um, interesting one, because I agree with Martin. And, I, I, you know, you'd expect changes. And with MK Dons being, you know, bearing in mind the journey, the the way that MK Dons play, you, you think, you know, you take the opportunity to try and give the, play, the players a breather and not risk, you know, your Gooches, your, your Evans, all those that maybe do. I mean, Gooch has carried over that. You know, he's over it now, but he had that hamstring problem in pre-season. So you don't want to sort of gamble on players. At the same time, Lee Johnson said yesterday he wants to breed this sort of winning habit. Um, and mm-hmm. so I can see on one hand, you can play the same team to try and get them into gear, to try and get that winning habit. But at the same time, as Martin said, the there are players that you want to have a look at to give a chance to. My my instinct is you make the changes and you'll be forgiven if you get knocked out of the League yeah. Cup. They're not going to win it. It's not a big money spinner. It's it's going to knock out a few games in the you know next few rounds that you don't have to play midweek uh, at a time when you're trying to build sort of momentum and you're trying to build up fitness. Um, so I I suspect. I think there'll be a balance. I think we'll probably see, you know, five or six changes rather than nine or ten. Um, but I don't think, you know, as much as you want to win these games, ultimately the priority is the league and Lee Johnson admitted that. Um, and we'd be fools to suggest otherwise because, you know, this is a fourth season in League One. They want to get out. They're building, you know, what looks like a very good team. Um, and, and the league is the priority. So... Uh, yeah, I'd, I want to, I'd like to see some players given a chance on Tuesday night to show what they can do, to you know, to, just to offer you that opportunity to see right where could, could this player fit in if X is injured and so on. So um, yeah, cha- I'd expect changes despite what Lee Johnson said after the game yesterday. You've got people like Bailey Wright to, you know, who needs a game. You've got Pritchard yeah. who needs some football. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Will Grigg who needs some football. So we're not talking about chucking a load of kids in. Always, there's still some good players to no, exactly to come in. And they need minutes because the chances are they're going to be needed over the next few weeks as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and I mean, I was I was over at Tranmere the other week. Uh, saw a lot of the young players play, and I 
I, I don't think it would be um, you know inappropriate to throw them in against a League Two team because they they caught very very well against Tranmere. I thought they were reasonably comfortable across the park. I don't think it would be a massive gamble. I mean, I, I'm I'm a fan of the League Cup. I like a little League Cup run early in the season. I think it it helps to kind of add a little bit of confidence, especially if you play a, a higher tier side at at some point. But but certainly the the trophy and the League Cup are not necessarily going to be. Uh, anyone's priorities this season. So, uh, final thoughts, really, from from you, Nick, on the season ahead. Because obviously, we've had one game. There's great optimism. Do you think that it's worth us getting a little bit carried away, or uh, and and where you at this point, very early, uh, expect us to 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 finish? After I admit, I had my a bet, which is very much unlike me yesterday on us going up. Just just before the match started, I, I went on Skybet and put a tenner on us going up at, at two to one. Do you think those are, are good odds and, and we do stand a really good chance? I think on the uh, evidence of pre-season and certainly on the evidence of the game against Wigan, uh, Sunderland will be there or thereabouts. Uh, I think they've got the foundations of a good squad. Clearly, they need some more bodies in. But I actually made a prediction on Total Sport in the week that they'd finish third because I think Rotherham and Ipswich uh, arguably... You know, stronger Rotherham with their experience, it's which the number of players they've brought in and an experienced manager in Paul Cook. But I don't think there'll be a lot in it. I think Sunderland will definitely be on the cusp. And if they get the right players in and they can keep their squad largely fit this season, I think Sunderland will have a very, very good season. I think they've got a very good chance of promotion this year. But again, I think it is going to be tight because there's a lot of big clubs in the division this season and a lot of clubs that spent quite a bit of money and strengthen their squads, you know, as we've seen with the likes of Sheffield Wednesday bringing in 12 players and um, we saw Wigan bringing in nine. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult, but I'm, I'm, I am remain optimistic. What I, I've liked what I've seen in pre-season. I liked a lot what I saw against Wigan and I think the team will only get better. Well, brilliant. I think that's a fantastic place to end. Thanks for your time this morning, uh, Nick, and thank you as well, Martin. Yes. Thanks for listening. Sarah. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.